Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Riddle Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia. I hope you're all uh, doing well on this Thursday, January 20, 2022. Everybody's getting by, almost there to Friday. Um, always an exciting time for sure. Hope you're all staying warm, staying safe. As always, you can listen to more Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Amazon Music, Audio.io, and many more. So do check it out. A lot of episodes, a lot of content. Sure, you all love it. Check it out. Do share. Uh, and, you know, spread the word. Appreciate it. Um, a lot to get into today's episode. Um, as always, <laughs> I'm going to talk some NBA. Um, and then get into the NFL a little bit as well as we get, get closer to uh, the start of the divisional playoffs. So that will be great to uh, dive into a little bit as well. Um, and then some. So I want to recast, start by recasting the NBA action from last night. Now obviously we've seen some trades kind of take place here and there between some teams. You know shuffling some pieces and uh, trying to shed salary and things like that. Um, no major, major moves yet. I mean, I see the Knicks obviously just made that move with Cam Reddish way back, which was a which was a good deal there. Um, obviously, you look at other teams trying to get involved and uh, make some things happen. So we'll see if anyone on the really on the move. Obviously, you see a lot of there's been obviously a lot of was about you know Miles Turner, Ben Simmons, you know DeAndre Fox. Um, Remains to be seen if any major players will be moved during this draft, but it will be one of those things where a lot of teams are really going to prioritize trying to figure out you know, who they don't want to keep resign, um, you know, even if they're doing a trade. So that remains to be something to watch out for as well. So uh, I want to give that one recap that took place last night was between um, the Charlotte Hornets and the Boston Celtics. Uh, I believe this game was on ESPN, and the Boston Celtics fell to the Hornets 111-102. to um, Boston obviously has been one of those teams, similar to the Lakers and others, that have kind of struggled up and down this season. And uh, you look at uh, the way that Boston has played, obviously, uh, Ime Yudoka continued to figure out what he can do with this roster and how to shovel things around. The Celtics might be uh, really uh, active in the trade market this year just because they definitely have to find a way to get even better as a group. Look at this team, they have some nice pieces, um, but you know the question keeps coming up. Brown and Tatum long term together, is it sustainable? Is it going to work out? Uh, because we know that they've been together quite some time, with, you know, and Marcus Smart obviously falls into that group as well. Can they win with this current group? Can they go farther than a first-round appearance or a second-round appearance? Can they can they make something happen in the Eastern Conference where there are a lot of teams that got better in the offseason? The Celtics weren't really able to do a whole lot. Decided to bring in a new co- things have been a little bit up and down a lot for this team. Um, especially this game last night where, you know, it was a sloppy game for the Hornets in terms of turnovers. The Hornets had 17 turnovers. The difference was, although they shot much better from three-pointer, a three-point line than the Celtics did. Um, K 
Terry Rozier had 28 points. He continues to be really good. And he's had a really good stretch of games, I think, lately for the for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Kelly Oubre was a um, you know good con- contributor with 18 points off the bench. Um, you know, and then obviously Miles Bridges continues to have some big time games. He had 22 points in this one. Uh, so the Hornets got a well-rounded effort. I mean, you know, Lamelo Ball tonight as well. Um, but Rozier, you know, Hayward, those guys were hot. Bridges was hot, and Hornets obviously uh, continue to play good basketball and remain, you know, really on track uh, to maybe have better see maybe next in this in this year's um, you know Eastern Conference playoff picture. So you know that was good to see. Now as for the you know 12 points on five of 19 shooting. Uh, Brown had 21. The leading score for the Celtics, I believe, was Dennis Shooter, who had 28, or sorry, 24, I mean. Uh, but it wasn't good enough. Uh, Boston's offense kind of got a little bit lost down the stretch. A couple of forced shots, a couple of missed opportunities to get good quality looks at it, and the Hornets would take advantage of that and kind of plays there. So. Um, definitely the Celtics have a lot of work to do. Um, we've seen them play a little bit better, no doubt, but at times they've continued to kind of fall back and um, stringing together a win streak for the Celtics is really, really important um, heading into the later portion of the season. The Chicago Bulls beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 117 to, <coughs> excuse me, to 104. Um, Chicago once again was offensively really good. Uh, obviously, they've had a couple of rough games lately where they got blown out, you know. But Chicago continues to be a team that is streaky offensively. They can hang with anybody, and you know, you look at the game. Um, you know, Cavaliers obviously are dealing with quite a bit. You know, in terms of you know, obviously the. Transition from Rubio, you know, Rubio going down and things like that. It's been tough for the, uh, the Cavaliers to still win games. But they are playing still well. I mean, Mark Cannon, who they traded for, um, had a nice game with 28 points. You know, Garland had 21. Mobley, 18. Um, they just needed a little more from from Jared Allen and a couple of other players. Like Isaiah, Isaiah Okoro. Um, he didn't have a big night for the Cavaliers. Kind of struggled in that aspect. You know, um, but uh, it was this is more of Chica- Cleveland had a tough time stopping Chicago in the paint. You know, Chicago outscored uh, the Cavaliers, I think, 58 to 46 in the paint, and that was the difference. Where obviously DeRozan had 30 points. I think Zach Levine was out for this game, um, so DeRozan was the leading scorer. Vujicic had 24 points. I mean, the Bulls had a big second quarter in this game. I think they scored almost 36 points or so in the second quarter. Um, so they really just made Cleveland really pay for a lot of opportunities. Some good shot making by the Bulls as well. The ball movement was extremely good. And like I said, the Southern had. Sorry, the Cavaliers had. His looks and his production. Kobe White for the Bulls had a nice game as well. I think it was 16 points overall. Um, so overall, you just saw Boston have a sorry, not Boston. <laughs> mixing it up now. Cleveland had a really 
not Cleveland, Chicago. So Chicago had a pretty good balanced effort all across the board, and they remain to be a team that's in the three seeds. Um, so I mean, in the best hit their couple of rough spots for sure, uh, but they continue to be a team that has exceeded expectations, and uh, they will be uh, you know more formidable, obviously, and they have. You know, Levine back in the mix, um, but you know the Cavaliers, despite their you know injuries and what happened, remain in the. So we'll see them keep keep it up, but uh, they're gonna need a little more. Uh, obviously, Kevin Love did play as well. This Cavs team is really built on some of these young players. And Jared Allen definitely has to do a lot better than he did yesterday uh, because it wasn't one of his finest games as a Cavalier. So he's going to have to step it up and be better uh, in some matchups they have. Uh, obviously, he's shown the ability to do so, um, but you know he's got to do even better. Um, you know because in this game, really, the Cavaliers had a lot of turnovers as well, and that gave the Bulls extra possessions. And that was really the difference in the game when it, when it comes down to it. And so the final game that I want to talk about was between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now the Grizzlies have been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Uh, they obviously have you know, had that big win streak some time ago. And Memphis uh, was without Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks um, in this game. Uh, so Memphis was a little bit shorthanded. Um, so they ended up losing to the Bucks, 126 to 114. Pretty high-scoring game. Uh, John Morant had 33 points. Giannis had 33 points. I mean, obviously, both guys, uh, you know, special and unique in their own way. Um, the, the difference in this game was more of the second, the surrounding supporting cast. You know, look at Milwaukee Bucks. They got. Uh, 28 or 27 from Chris Middleton. Um, you know, I think Grant Hill and Bobby Portis had about 14 points as well. Um, the Bucks did a great job of, of rebounding. Uh, you know, getting extra possessions. Uh, look at Jaron Jackson. He was the second leading scorer behind John Morant. Um, so it's a game in which you know the Bucks kind of imposed their will a little bit, got some up, got some better ball movement, really stretched the Memphis Grizzlies out and made them really work for a lot of their opportunities. And Giannis obviously was dominant as good as he was. Um, so it was a really good all-around effort for the Milwaukee Bucks. They obviously needed a win like this, despite yeah Memphis not having of their players. Um, Milwaukee obviously continues to be a team that you cannot sleep on. They do have a lot of versatility and size, and they continue to find ways to win. So they're a team that, uh, as I said, was really great all the way uh, and really made a huge run last year and up the NBA Finals and winning the championship. Um, and they are a team that has some, you know, better leadership, chemistry. And that will continue to be something that a lot of Eastern Conference teams have to really take in, into account even more so when the playoffs do you know take place later in the season. This Bucks team will still be a team that has a chance to uh, do.
do something. So, as for the Memphis Grizzlies, they're in still in a pretty good spot despite their loss. And cold thing is now can Memphis get out the first round and really make a run at it. Um, obviously, John Moran has played special so far this season, and he's gonna have to keep playing that later on the season. So I want to wrap up today's episode by talking a little bit about the NFL Divisional Playoffs taking place this weekend. Um, four games, you know, on on tap this week, so it's going to be huge, uh, no doubt, as these teams try to book their tickets uh, to the AFC NFC Championship game. Um, I want to, you know, take this moment to do some spotlight on quarterbacks and coaches that definitely have to step it up this week um, for their respective teams and I'll also um, in tomorrow's episode I'll be obviously breaking down each game making you know listing the keys for victory for each team and make my picks as well who I think will advance um, to the AUC championship game and the championship game so uh, definitely tune in that tune in for that tomorrow so let's get right to it. I'm going to start with my quarterbacks um, that I believe really need a big week. I need to step it up this week in the divisional playoff round. I'm going to list my three quarterbacks here. Um, the first quarterback I'm going to go with is Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. Now the Titans obviously had quite a season. You know, obviously Henry went down in week eight. And Tannehill had to do obviously a lot. Uh, Mike Rabel did a tremendous, <coughs> excuse me, a tremendous job. Of getting this team in a position to capture number one seed, um, Ryan Tannehill's had an interesting season. You know, he's had his overall regular season numbers: 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Obviously, had some games where he really struggled and didn't play that w- play that well. Um, he did finish on a, on a better note towards the end of the regular season. Um, you know, so look at Ryan Tannehill and this Tennessee Titans team. They obviously have huge expectations of making it to the Super Bowl. They have an opportunity also to, ha- to host one, of, you know, host their first AFC Championship game, championship game at, at home um, in a long, long time. And we know that the last road in Kansas City, and so that looms large for Ryan Tannehill. You know, obviously he came to Tennessee. Um, really has helped Tennessee be a good team the last few years, and this is a big spot for Ryan Tannehill because you know he's going up against a young and up-and-coming team in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Um, obviously, Tennessee uh, has a little more playoff experience, um, and Ryan makes some big-time throws in this game. You know, yes, with Henry coming back potentially, you know, it might make his job a little bit easier, but no, you know, so. defensively and he needs to shine through really make sure that he gets off to a good start and and plays solid all the way through you know don't make the mistakes but keep this team in a position to to win and he's gonna have to be a big part of that this week uh, in their game against Cincinnati being able to uh, really have a productive game and lead his team to a victory against the Cincinnati Bengals 
second quarterback that I would say needs to step it up this week. Um, it's going to be Matthew Stafford of the LA Rams. Now I know I've been on the Rams quite a bit. For anybody who's paid attention to what I said way in the uh, summertime, look, the Rams obviously are a talented team. You know, they traded Jared Goff, which was a huge surprise. You know, obviously a lot of people questioned that move, thought was it the right thing or not, and it proves to be that McVay was right. And he made the move and got his quarterback and Matthew Stafford, who, you know, finally got his first playoff game, um, you know, playoffs game victory last week. And, you know, that was something that um, was, you know, escaping Matthew Stafford for a long period of time. Uh, so he got that victory last week. You know, he didn't have to pass the ball a whole lot. You know, did just enough to the point where they were able to win and have a lead. And so he didn't have to do a whole lot. But now you look at this matchup, you know, he's playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the second time this season, right? Uh, the first time they played the Bucs, I think he had a big game. But Todd Bowles, you know, is different in the postseason. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to be taking on playoff Brady. So Matthew Stafford is everything that McVeigh asked for and wanted. And now it's time to de- deliver in a spot where the Rams have not been able to you know get past the last few years you know so you look at Stafford he was brought in to do this and he's got obviously the weapons in Cooper Cup Odell Beckham you know Higby Cam Akers is back you know so he has to be able to fling the football go toe to Tom Brady in this one and really put his team in a good position to win this game um, and you know in terms of the run He's going to make the big time throws, um, and he cannot turn the ball over and give it to the def- you know, give it to, uh, you know, put the defense in a tough spot. So Stafford's got to show even more than he did last week. This is the real true test for Matthew Stafford, um, and he needs to find ways to deliver for his his team to have a chance to pull off the the road win in Tampa Bay. And third quarterback that I believe needs to step it up, and this might be a surprise to a lot of people but I'm gonna say Josh Allen and you're thinking well Josh Allen Buffalo Bills right he had five touchdowns last week what is there for him to need to step up and prove it this week well if you look at the Bills and their rise throughout the last few years and his progression he has definitely surprised me a lot with the way he's been able to have a great career with Buffalo they obviously they prioritize the right things around him um, and he is you know one of, the, one of the top quarterbacks. Uh, he's one of, the, one of the top quarterbacks in the league the last few years, and you know he has been. He's been really special. He's obviously gained so much confidence and trust, and he's going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been in uh, quite a few ACN championship games. You know, last two three years is you know it's ran through Kansas City, and so look at last year. The Bills weren't able to win in that AFC Central game. You know, they got, uh, you know, they are really, uh, you know, shellacked in that one. It became a game a little bit later, but um, Josh Allen has been waiting for this moment for a long time. And I'm sure the Bills wanted him to come out there and prove it. And this is a big-time game for for Josh Allen, knowing how, you know, the biggest contract that he got in the offseason, the kind of season that he's had. I mean... You know, the Bills are expecting him to do great things, and he knows it himself. So, they did beat Kansas City last time, but this is a different team than they played 
And so you want to see Josh Allen bring out his best. You know, Patrick Mahomes is someone who's obviously won a championship, has been in a couple of, you know, appearances. Josh Allen is trying to get to that level. He's trying to get to that level, and, you know, this week he's going to have to really do a great job of uh, putting this team in, in positions to score and be successful. Um, and if he shows up and plays like the way that he's been playing, uh, you know, as the end of this regular season, and suppose if he if he plays the way he's been playing the last two three games, um, last two games or so, then they have a good chance of winning. But he needs to prove it against the Chiefs team that will have obviously a lot going for them. They defensively are a little bit better than they used to be um, this earlier this season. So you know, Allen's gonna be in for a lot, and we know that you know Andy Reid and his experience and Steve Spagnuolo will definitely have a lot. Um, on the plate and you throw at him so Josh Allen has to step it up and continue to prove why he is one of the best up and coming quarterbacks in this in this NFL um, and I think he needs to deliver a big time uh, on Sunday evening at Kansas City so now I want to transition and talk about the coaches that are under uh, who need to you know, step up the most this week and are really under pressure to step up this week um, this week in the divisional playoffs. Now, um, I already, I've already listed and I've touched on, on a couple of things already. Um, so some of you might already know where I'm going with, with a couple of my coaches. Um, but the first coach that I believe that needs to step it up, uh, is under pressure to step it up and do well, uh, is Kyle Shanahan. Alright, and you're thinking, well, Kyle Shanahan is, you know, the Niners are a lower seed and they've already surpassed expectations. That is true, but look at this matchup for Kyle Shanahan and this team. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan has been been trying to get back to that point where he can pl- uh, he can coach again in the Super Bowl, right? We know what happened, obviously, against the Chiefs a year back or so. Um, you know how things kind of you know were were going in his direction, and then you know he didn't have best of plays down the stretch and things didn't happen the way it did and he ended up losing that Super Bowl um, so Shannon has been through quite a bit and they're going into Green Bay this week into a team that's fully rested you know a team that's fully rested um, in the Green Bay Packers um, so and look at Kyle Shanahan also like they lost this Packers team earlier this season right 30 to 28 uh, tough you know field goal attempt by Mason Crosby. So Kyle Shanahan has got to find ways to get this game in his favor, his style. Um, and, you know, he and Matt LaFleur obviously know each other very well. And I think that, uh, you know, look at the Niners. They have a window here where you know, they have a defense that played really well last week. They have an offense that got even better and better as the season ended. Um, so they're on a pretty big roll right now, and he needs to keep that momentum up in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, against the Packers defense. Um, you know, and I think that a lot will come with his play calling, getting his run, getting his run concepts going. Because last time the Niners played the Packers at home, they only had like 60 yards rushing. So the question is, how well does he run the football? You know, how 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 much does he call the runs in this game? How much does he 
with the with the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. His play calling will be really really important in this game. His overall management of the game will be really really important because you know there are also a lot of things you have to do in Green Bay to beat Aaron Rodgers. And it will start with Kyle Shanahan kind of setting the tone for this team, and he needs he needs to do that if any chance of pulling off the upset in Green Bay. Second coach that needs to step it up and and you know be big in the postseason here this week is Zach Taylor of the Bengals. Now I know people are thinking, well, Zach Taylor is obviously only a few years into his coaching role as the Bengals, and they just got a playoff game last week, but. You look at Zach Taylor and this Cincinnati Bengals team. They have a real shot um, to upset Tennessee Titans. Despite whatever I said, I mean, the Bengals do have a team that, if you look at it, they do have the elements, the key pieces to pull off a win. And Zach Taylor, we've seen in a couple of games this year where his decision-making has been a little bit interesting. So he will be challenged in this game by Mike Rabel and that defense. And the question is, how does he respond offensively with this team? Knowing that, you know, the tennis tennis might bring pressure. They might do a lot of things to make Joe Burrow uh, struggle. You know, Kyle Zach Taylor has to be able to be on top of that, you know, He's got a team that is loaded with talent. Uh, obviously, the defense is, you know, something in works there. But, you know, this Bengals team, you know, had a big win last week. They didn't really finish as well as they hoped to in the end zone. They had a couple of field goals, right? So, if you're Zach Taylor, you want to really dial it up because your play calling, your ability to get points in this game. And you want to make it a, comp- a competitive game all the way around. Um, and you really want to put Tennessee in a, in a tough spot to play out of their style as much as you can in this game. So I think that if he's aggressive, if he's making good decisions and getting this Bengals team to compete even more better than they did last week, you know, they have a real shot of upsetting Tennessee um, right there in Nashville. And the final coach that needs to step it up and prove it big time this week is Sean McVay. Of the, Las Ve- of the Los Angeles Rams. And I've been saying this for a long time. Um, and it holds, uh, you know, it's really true in this matchup. You know, you have McVay going up against, you know, Bruce Arians and Brian Leftwich and Tom. And we know that McVay obviously has done so much, so done, done so well in his career up to this point where he's had a couple opportunities. Uh, to be in the postseason, obviously that Super Bowl lost a tough one to Tom Brady. Um, so if you're McVay, you got your quarterback. You know, you've got to really deliver in all aspects. You know, you want to see the crea- you know, creativity from McVay. You want to see the ability for him to make adjustments to what Tampa may throw at Stafford in this game. And you want to come back and really prove why you're one of the best young coaches and why you are a coach that will continue to get better and better and show uh, you know those qualities of winning a championship and it starts with this game with McVay really doing a good job of being smart about the game situations you know obviously getting this team to be, to be disciplined and ready for this type of game against Tampa Bay will be key and I think that you know if McVay does all these things he checks all these boxes you know he goes toe to toe with the play calling of what you know, Todd Bowles might call. He's got out- outmaneuver him. Obviously, last time they played, it worked. Uh, and 
it's in Tampa, so we know a lot of teams that come to Tampa this season obviously have either played well from the get go or they've struggled. Um, so you want to see what McVay is going to do, how he's going to be aggressive, how he's going to be able to make some play decisions late in, the, in this game, early in this game. That'll go a long way of the Rams' chances of an upset in Tampa. So in tomorrow's episode, I will break down all the games of the divisional playoffs of, of the NFL. My analysis and breakdown of everything. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for always listening to Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia.